Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet, the host of the Animal Tales podcast, and this is our new podcast, the new series, Doggone Good Information. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Tommy Fahey. Good morning, Heidi. Hi, Tommy. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I'm really enjoying these and uh, going to start really pu- boosting them out there more so more people can uh, enjoy the information. The ones I've gotten some feedback and people are enjoying the information and I think we're providing a little different information and in a different way than the other the other places out there, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a non-emotional scientific facts. Imagine. I know, shocking <laughs> that we might discuss that. Not that we don't but have a, a little emotion. Topics are just best practices. Yeah. If anything, I I worry sometimes maybe come off across as a little stalwart or like, oh, that's just silly. And I really don't mean to do that. I just we've just gone so far over the top with emotion and lost our best practices in actual animal husbandry, which is what you and I are really committed to talking about. So I apologize if that seems the case at times. (laughs) Far bird for me. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Uh, So a couple things this week that happened that are interesting. Another, um, what they're calling, at least in one case, they're calling a parvo, uh, parvovirus outbreak, Northern Michigan, even the state vet got involved and was putting out uh, updates. And New York City had a mysterious illness, Parvo-like. Again, this is in prior podcasts, so go back and listen to our other, this is, I believe, number seven, so one of the earlier podcasts. Mm-hmm. We talk about this, and a lot of reasons for this, but they it's airborne stuff, so if your dogs are close together in a dog park, but also drinking out of water bowls. I mentioned this at, I was at the hair salon yesterday, getting my hair done. And fabulous. Uh, thank you. And uh, we were, I, I mentioned this and I was surprised that the three or four people in there all went, oh, it still surprises people when you say, you do realize that when your dog drinks out of the water bowl at the farmer's market or the wherever there's a community water bowl, it's saliva. And so really interesting. I want to keep driving that point home. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it's quite funny that you or I wouldn't probably go around and share a drink with a, sh- a stranger. No. We wouldn't pick up a stranger. Especially after and, COVID. And take a sip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we all kind of are a little backed off of that kind of stuff now, especially, but we don't really think about it with our pets. And yeah. we, we sort of ignore it. Play so, dates yeah, and really dog parks and that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's important. And um, then the other thing, well, I'll save that actually for a pet peeve. I'll save that for the okay. <laughs> another thing that really annoyed me. So how about yeah. you? Anything anything to update us on? All my uh, stories from this week go into our main topic. Oh, great. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You've been busy. So It's, it's been a busy couple of weeks. Yeah. Tommy's getting ready to travel. And we have so many topics we want to take on, but one of them coming up is, well, planning for a vacation or traveling and do's and don'ts of taking your pet, the pros and cons. So we want to help uh, our listeners delve into that. And I did this on iHeartRadio. I did about a five-minute call-in in various markets talking about vacationing with your pet and got a lot of feedback because it's a, it's a hot topic for sure. 
And I think oh, where yes. yeah, I think what happens a family dynamic, let's say, or even couples. Maybe one one person is just married to their pet, their pet is their baby, that whole thing. And they decide they got to go everywhere with them. So now you have a significant other or spouse and or family. You've made that decision for your whole group because mm-hmm. the pet can only go so many places and do so many things. So that's kind of the starting point for me is, and I live in, uh, I live in vacation paradise. I'm outside of St. Petersburg, Florida. We're kind of waiting for the snowbirds to go home, frankly, but, <laughs> but we're happy that we have such a beautiful place. They enjoy the weather's idyllic. And right now I'm looking out the window. It's gorgeous, but we do not allow dogs on our beaches. I specifically live near Indian Rocks Beach, and then above us is Clearwater, below us, St. Pete. Dogs are not allowed on the beaches. I'm always amazed with the internet that surprises people, because you could Google that, right? Yeah. So here comes a family with their, with their, they've spent the money, they're coming down, the weather's beautiful, everything's great, and they have Fluffy with them, Fido. Mm-hmm. And now they, they come to the beach, and I've actually been walking on the beach and seen him look at the sun and go, oh, no. So now you want to spend hours all day on the beach coming and going, go get lunch somewhere, come back, whatever. You can't take the dog. You can't leave him in the car. It's eight, above 80 degrees. Uh-huh. That terrifies me, even in cold weather, that somebody's going to break my window and take my dog out. Um, but at over 80 degrees, it's, it's really not acceptable. And it's humid here. So now the dogs at the hotel or Airbnb or wherever, a lot of dogs have separation anxiety now. Hopefully you brought your cage so he doesn't destroy the place. Your kennel, your crate. It's a dog, you know, looks like a dog, talks like Same a dog. Same thing. It's a, yeah, I call it a cage, but whatever, the, the kennel. Are they barking then because they're in the kennel? And now you got to go mm-hmm. every few hours and take care of them. So that's where my head goes when we start this conversation and, you know, but I didn't want to leave them at home. We're anthropomorphizing a bit because the, does a dog not want to stay home alone or go to the boarding place or go to a friend's house or is it you? So I'll let you pick Correct. it up from there because you're yeah. traveling soon, right? Yeah, yeah, I have several trips coming up um, and I travel quite frequently as, with my job. I, I train a lot of uh, horses and we go to shows and so I'm gone for you know, sometimes just two or three days over the weekend, um, or I go out and teach a clinic. So I'm gone. Uh, usually it's just two or three days at a time, but I've got a big trip coming up, uh, at the end of May. Uh, I'm going with my family to Ireland and then over to London. Take me. Um, yeah. Um, so we're gone a full 10 days. Is this with mama Fahey? Yes. She takes you guys Uh, on the best trips. Awesome. Okay. It's wonderful. Back to your, Um, your few days trips. Are those hotels or do you have a horse trailer you stay in or what's the scenario? So it depends. Um, They're all a little different. Sometimes we stay in a hotel. Sometimes we get an Airbnb. Um, It it just kind of depends on the scenario. Okay. Um, I've done a a bit of all of it. And does Jimmy Um, Dean living quarters trailer? Does Jimmy Dean come Um, along or it, it, it depends. So it depends. Um, Jimmy Dean, the, the Jack Russell, here. the Jack Russell Terrier, yes. just for clarification. He makes every episode. Yeah, the, the star of the show. <laughs> uh, so in deciding whether or not to take your pet with you, you have to decide what are you going to be doing? Where yeah. are you going to be going? And is it really appropriate for you to have the dog or cat or, or whatever pet with you? 
Um, and sometimes it is, and, and you can make it work. And sometimes it really isn't. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of thing factors that go into that decision. But for example, uh, last year I went to a horse show. Um, I was taking a client to a horse show, so I was not riding. I was just there to coach. And the showgrounds that we were going to was dog friendly. They, in the show bill, it says, you know, dogs, well-behaved dogs are welcome as long as they're on a leash. Um, and we, we show in the dressage world. So it's a very quiet, low energy type environment, almost like golf, you know, yeah. the, the golf clap, you know, yeah. not, not a lot of loud noises, <laughs> things lovely. like that. Yeah. So I was sitting with Jimmy Dean watching um, the show go on and another dog came up and um, the person got, they, they were very friendly. It was very, it was fine. It, it was handled appropriately, but Jimmy Dean barked at the other dog. And I said, okay, that's it. We can't, you can't sit here and bark at the other dog. They weren't nose to nose. He was just saw him from across and, and thought, oh, he's coming into my space. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to play. It wasn't aggressive or anything like that. Um, but not appropriate for that environment. And so I excused myself, took the dog outside. So I didn't bother anybody showing, uh, going on. And, uh, and then I don't take him back to that showgrounds. Yeah. Cause it's okay. not, uh, you know, I realized that we're not in a place that I'm far enough away from the action of what's going on that I'm not, I'm encroaching on other people's, um, environment and space. They've paid a lot of money to show, uh, to bring their horse and show there and they want a, a quiet environment and they don't want a dog barking in the background. So um, could you not put him in a kennel in one of the trailers or would he bark or be vocal? Yeah, so I thought he would be more stressed out being um, in a trailer, or, and then it was starting to get warmer outside. Right, so you got um, that, yeah. So Do you have electricity? Yeah. Can you put a fan on? And Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so those were all kind of uh, contributing factors to say, you know, maybe it's not the best environment for me to bring him along. Um, so where does so he stay I, then? What's the option? Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky I have options and that's a, a big takeaway from today yeah. is if you're not going to, uh, bring, if you're not able to bring your dog along with you, or it's not appropriate to bring your dog along with you, you need options of where your dog can stay. Um, so I am lucky that I worked for a vet clinic that has a boarding facility attached to it. Um, so for the first three years of his life, he went to doggy daycare as I went to work, he went to doggy daycare in the boarding facility. Um, so he's very comfortable in oh, that environment. Yeah. He, he got, he got really comfortable, uh, being in, in that place. Um, I also happen to have, uh, some good friends that have a dog that's a similar size and a similar age and they get along really well. Um, so when they're available, he goes and stays at their house. Um, Perfect. and then vice versa, if they need me to keep their dog, I'm able to do that. Um, so we have some options there. Um, and then there are a couple other boarding facilities in the area that I'm aware of that I have talked to that I know I could use if perhaps the, the clinic that I used to work at was fully booked or if my friends weren't available to take care of them, there's options. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a big takeaway is make sure you have options, um, and, and don't just rely on one thing. Yeah. I swear, I, 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 I was thinking about it this morning because I knew we were going to talk about this. Um, and I, I think about it often because I care for 
I, I do some dog training and for my clients, I will do uh, boarding, right? If I'm, mm-hmm. they got to catch me, I like to travel. So I, they get yeah. a little annoyed with me. Like, aren't you going to be home, Heidi? It's like, not if I can <laughs> no. help it, <laughs> but I'll take them with me. Uh, they don't always go for that. I do have one lady who let me take the dog with me in the RV. So that was cool. But, sure. And it, I said, this is a great experience and, you know, I'll be responsible. I've got a good track record over my years. Um, but the, yes, the one to have options. So you got to have your vet work done, right? So if you're a person who's not responsible with that, you can't board them. And you actually yeah, but- have to do the kennel cough one, which is that Bordetella? Bordetella, yeah. Which I don't always do when I was younger because my dogs were never boarded. We were always, you know, virtually quarantined. Um, But now I do it because I I just don't know what's going to come up. But I I do think there should be like a Craigslist for dog sharing. And um, that'd be an interesting idea. I've told you that before. I like there we I have a cute little dog. People love to be around Trooper. Right. And uh, so. I'd be happy to share him, you know, because then I'd have a little freedom at times that I didn't expect or whatever. We have a great situation at home. We have a dog door, fence yard. So I, if I'm gone for more than five hours, he can run himself. And I come home and he's out in the backyard and he comes popping through the dog door. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you welcome home. He's laying on the <laughs> patio furniture out there, sunning himself. <laughs> it's a riot. <laughs> and now I have a big dog, so life's changed a little bit. Um, but, if, you know... As you're out or and about or friends of that, introduce them to your dog. If somebody has kids and they don't have a dog and they would enjoy watching a dog for periods of time. So I, I just think that's one good option that maybe people haven't explored as much. A senior who's lonesome but doesn't want, you know, can't, the expense. My goodness, the yeah. expense of a dog. Um, it adds up very quickly. Yeah. So, you know, think about your options, get a little creative, even on next door, you know, I have a cute dog, I travel a lot, would somebody like to kind of partner with me or watch my dog? There's Rover, of course, where someone will come and watch your dog at your house. Yes. That's not my favorite option. Um, It's one thing if they stay overnight, but I've actually seen it where they just go run them while the people are gone. Yeah, they come a couple times a day. That's a real solitary thing for a dog. I, I, it's just not my favorite. I don't think it's heinous, but I, I think it'd be better if they were at somebody's house or even at a boarding facility where there's there's interaction of some sort, you know. My yeah, opinion. I think it depends on the dog. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, yeah. And it depends on what they're used to. Yeah, that's true. So, if you're gone, I I don't go to work all day, so I don't, you're right. I don't think of it in those terms. So thank you for reminding me, yeah. Yeah, so it, it would actually work quite well, I think, for Jimmy Dean. Um, because through the summer, I don't take him with me when I'm going out to work. Um, cause I go and and do a lot of horse training. So I'm on the farm. Yeah. Um, so if it's above about 70 degrees, I don't take him with me cause he has to stay in the truck. Yeah. Um, and I don't want him to overheat and that kind of thing. Or if it's super cold, I don't want him to be cold in the truck. So no doubt um, he has a cute little coat though. Oh, well, yes, of course. (laughs) Um, yeah. So he stays home fairly often. Um, okay. and it's quite comfortable and pretty relaxed. Okay. Um, and I, I alternate between leaving him in a kennel or just leaving him free in the house. Right. Um, depending on, on what the schedule is like. And then also, as we've talked about in the past, just getting him used to the idea of having to be in a kennel. Yeah. Remind. Um, yeah. Do it regularly. A little reminder. Least. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, it would actually probably work quite well for him to have somebody come in a couple times a day and feed him, take him for a walk, throw the ball for him in the backyard, and then he goes back to bed. Okay. Um, so I, I don't think he. And he's in familiar. There is something to be said for familiar surroundings. Yes. So I, I do fully understand that. And sometimes people have more than one dog. Correct. And so if you have two dogs, I think it's it's probably a viable option because they're keeping it each other company. But exactly, are they being ill mannered when you're gone? Well, and like trying to let you know they're not. Careful yeah, happy. Yeah. Yeah, I am lucky. Knock on wood. Uh, Jimmy Dean is very well behaved. Mm-hmm. Uh, has really never torn anything up, and I shouldn't say that out loud because then something's going to happen. Um, but he rarely has an accident in the house. He rarely gets into anything that he shouldn't. Right. Um, so I'm very lucky in that respect. Some dogs get into everything. Yeah. Um, so then that's not really a viable option. Yeah, they're because gonna they're going to let you know too if you're gone. They may be a little unhappy, so they're going to they're going to even do a little bit more. Yeah. So that's yeah, exactly. that's another consideration. So you've got boarding facilities, you've got friends. You've got Rover, which are, you know, some trusted person that your uh, dog stays with. Or I see around St. Pete, we're such a dense area. So there's uh, people will post on this dog forums, uh, Facebook or next door, the two I pretty much use. Going to be away. My regular dog sitter's not available. And they'll post, um, you know, Marianne does it in her home. She's got a fenced yard. She'll take only three clients at a time. So there's that kind of thing, a kind of in between friends and an, a, an actual boarding, like the vet boarding facility type thing. So you can find yeah. those as well where they won't put them in a kennel or they have a, a big backyard or that kind of thing. So, you know, everybody's got their preferences. But I want to talk about having more than one pet. It seems to be, well, one, I think, again, on this podcast, we talk a lot about being guilted into things or society's messaging saying, one, you should get a dog, two, you should get a dog from shelter, and, and that dog needs a buddy, right? I, Your dog needs a dog. Yeah, boy, when you, <laughs> essentially, that's it, isn't it? I never thought about <laughs> it that way. <laughs> um, it didn't used to be that way. We got a dog for the family, and the family, you know, that was yeah. the, the family dynamic. I just got this big dog, and I, I've talked about it many times, Otis, uh, he's a standard poodle. He's 68 pounds or so. So he's a big boy. It's so expensive. And that to add to that, groceries have gone up and gas is ridiculous. I'm I'm really surprised. I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but um, he came with some issues. So I had to address those. Had I, I would have done it differently if I had really thought about it. I would have let him be a foster for a lot longer, but I, I'm honest and so <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. But nonetheless, I don't understand why people get, I'm doing it for, I, I want to train notice. I want to put everything on him. I've got, I want to test myself essentially. And also I'm an AKC canine good citizen evaluator. So I want to put him through the program and really sure. see what I got. And he's very timid and came from a hoarding situation. So he's a great dog for that. And I know I could change his life. And somebody else might right. just let him stay timid. That's another podcast we've talked about, training. Bad idea. Change their narrative right away. Don't let them feed mm-hmm. on the past. So, but 
Now I got to figure him out too. When in the equation, I had a white six pounder who everybody loved. I'll take Trooper. I'll take Trooper, you know, and Trooper is very independent. Anyhow, now I got the big dog. He's wonderful. He's not mean, none of that, but the cost goes up for boarding. And now I've got to consider two dogs. And if I take him, it's a much bigger impact mm-hmm. than my six pound little, you know, airline carry case that I bring along with Trooper. So, you know, I, I I know people that have a couple big dogs and now they're getting the bully breeds too. There are places that aren't, that won't take them. Yep. So there's so many considerations on that. And I guess that just trying to encourage you to think beyond your daily situation, have some vision. Do you want to go to weddings? Some friends are having weddings. Are you going on vacation a lot? Do you have little kids? So we've talked about the cost again, check out our other podcasts, but just going on vacation, if you have to board them, get somebody to watch them and surely bringing two dogs on vacation is even much more impactful than bringing one or traveling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think with the vacation idea, I think what occurs to me is, is it a vacation for the dog? Right. Or is it stressful for the dog? Yeah. I think that's a huge consideration because you're paying a lot of money to go on vacation or you're paying something anyhow. Yeah. And it's really changing the dynamic of your vacation if you bring your pet. Correct. It really is. And then it's the dilemma idea, right? Is it more stressful for them to travel with you or is it more stressful for them to be boarded somewhere or to be, uh, have somebody come into the home and take care of them or whatever arrangement you're going to make, which one is better or worse or is there a better or worse? If you're in that space where you're really stressed about that, I would say you could use some assistance in your training program because you really shouldn't be that stressed about that. I don't stress if I leave my dogs home because I've trained them and I want to do this because if I don't come home one day, I want to know they're okay. So if I leave them and I'm overly concerned that they're not going to be okay, I need to, I need to work on that. Correct. You know, I don't. And, and the other aspect of that worry I know is trusting people, but do, you know, do your homework, do the best scenario you can, you know, make sure you've covered your bases and then check on the dog. That's fine. But if you're getting pictures every few hours and stuff, frankly, you're a bit over the top. Yeah. I think I, maybe, oh, I maybe I'm wrong, but well, and it's causing you stress and it's not um, the more importantly, it's not healthy for your animal. Right. They, yeah. if you're the kind of person who, you know, is away and you, you're worried about your animal the whole time you're away, you're really over worrying on that. So do a better job with your training program, test your training program. The best way you could test it. My father, when we were growing up is to have somebody else actually run through the routines with our animals Mm -hmm. to see if we've done our job. So if I train a dog and I can't hand it off to you and say, Tommy, tell it to do X, Y, and Z, the basics from, you know, behave at your food and go potty outside to roll over and sit up and, you know, get off the couch, whatever it is, it has to mind everybody. Yeah. I use the analogy. If you take your child, your child goes to school the first, you know, kindergarten, do they say to the teacher, I don't have to listen to you. I only have to listen to my mommy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's really, you've really told your dog that. Yes. And so it all ties into this. I guess 
The reason we're doing this, this is April when this is airing, of course, with the technology world, you can watch this five years from now. But we're thinking about it because one, if you use a boarding facility, you got to get booked. They book up in the summer. So we wanted to give you a heads up on that. You've got to make sure you have all your shots to use a boarding facility. Mm-hmm. So, and they want to see the paperwork because I don't always get my shots done at my vet. Sometimes I use the mobile clinics. So I need sure. to have those that paperwork available. So make sure you have that. And again, you need the basics, but you also need Bordetella. Am I missing anything there? So every facility is probably going to have their own, oh, okay. um, you know, rules and regulations. Um, the clinic that I worked for, the, the vet clinic that had the boarding facility, we required your, uh, all your standard vaccines, which is your DHLPP. So distemper, parvo, hepatitis, leptospirosis, um, all the big words, um, a rabies vaccine. Yeah. Rabies. Um, and depending on the species and depending on the brand of rabies, it can be a one or a three year. Um, so you want to be careful about, uh, how that's labeled. Um, so be sure that you're confirming which rabies vaccine you had. Yeah. Um, we also required a annual parasite screening. So, uh, a fecal, uh, parasite screening. Yeah. Uh, we also required an internal parasite screening, meaning, uh, heartworm test. Oh, okay. So all the dogs had to have an annual heartworm test because we wanted to make sure they were heartworm negative. Um, and then you have, so those are your standard things. And then you have the risk-based vaccines, which is we required a Bordetella okay. vaccination. And that was every six months. Oh, Some places is every year. Um, we required it every six months because there was a, a there's a, a greater um, uh, likelihood of it being around here in this area. We have a, a lot of uh, kennel cough issues. And you're in Springfield, um, Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So the, the people making the decisions on, on those regulations were aware that there's a, a high propensity for kennel cough in the area. So we required it every six months. Um, so depending on which facility you go to, they're going to have different regulations. And I said this on a podcast before, if they don't ask you for your records, they're not they asking other people else either. Yeah. So a lot of times, um, well, I shouldn't say a lot. There were a few times where we had clients come in that were new to our boarding facility that didn't understand the regulations that we had in place and were really upset that their dog had to have a heartworm test or their dog had to have that Bordetella within six months or whatever it was. And we were always very clear on the phone when you're booking, yeah. um, you know, what those things are. But a lot of, there were a few people that took issue with it. They said, oh, my dog doesn't need this. Or, oh, my vet says I don't need that. Um, Or, oh, can't you just trust me that this happened? No, (laughs) I cannot. Right, because I won't do it with other people either. I'm protecting your dog. Exactly. I'm protecting your dog and I'm protecting all of these other dogs that we have in our facility. So when somebody asks you for those things, be happy they asked for them. Be happy to produce them because that means that they are really doing their due diligence and and they are doing things with best practices. Yeah. Best practices. Hashtag best, best practices. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. 
it, like I said, it, it's going to depend on the facility, what they require. It's going to depend on what area of the country you're in, what region. Um, you know, usually the farther south you go, the hotter it is, the more problems you're going to have um, with flying insects and that kind of things. So the um, the recommendations on vaccinations become a little different. So the farther south you go, sometimes they do uh, biannual rather than annual um, things like that. Um, so it, it's going to be different depending on the region. So it's interesting, you know, <clears throat> people, there are a lot of people who don't want to board their dogs. They don't want them in a kennel and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I think I'm probably money is the factor for me that I wouldn't board a dog. Um, I, I, I do board dogs, but if I have a choice, it's, it's more financial. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Because I'd actually prefer the boarding facility at some level because I, I feel pretty confident. Yeah, a lot of times they even have cameras or they they let you know the schedule. I yeah. don't I don't really go along with the camera thing and I wouldn't log into it. I just not unless I suspected something. But chances are if I really suspected something and was going to sue them over it, I could probably get footage. But I like the fact that they're at a place where they could get help if they need it. There's protocols in place and uh, the likelihood of them getting away or that type of thing. Now, a lot of them do it like doggy daycare where they'll put them out during the day together, which I, I, I wince at a little bit. Frankly, I still don't know how that works, how people do that successfully, but they do. Uh, yeah, I would do that. that. I would do that over a private person, frankly. Yeah. And um, so that I think, you know, but there are so many people like, I don't want my dog in a cage or I don't want, again, I'm testing my, my training program and my ability for my pet to be well-behaved and feel okay. If I take them there and say, you're fine, this is going to be fine. No problems. I I have enough savvy to know if something untoward happened, if the dog started acting a lot differently. Um, and I think a lot of people do. You don't have to be a trainer to recognize that, you know, maybe they got picked or put in the cage hastily or something and they're a little, you know, it's fine. Talk to the folks about that or maybe use a different place. <clears throat> but your dog, you can make it a negative experience by how you approach it. If you go yeah. there and you're like, I'm so sorry, Fluffy, you have to go to this place, but we can't take it's you. It's all how you walk in the front door. Yes. If you walk in and say, Hey, it's you're you're going to sleep away camp, you know, just, just have a different yeah. approach to it. Um, the other thing I did take Otis with me. I was gone doing a circus for a couple of weekends. I was the ringmaster and, uh, Otis, the big dog came with me because my husband, he's fine with me having dogs, but I didn't want, not want to leave him with the care of Otis. <clears throat> Otis is timid and I'm trying to stay really into him right now and work with him. So I brought him along and it, it was a situation. I brought his little dog run and a kennel and he could stay just by the dressing room with me. I brought fans. It was a pain in the butt, frankly, especially if the option is I'm just free and easy and don't have to worry about it because it was Florida and it was warm. But it worked out fine, and he's very timid and quiet, so he doesn't bark in the hotel or anything. But here's here's a consideration, too, when you take him. It was Florida, sandy areas outside a hotel, and the back of the hotel was very had a big open space, but it was kind of crummy. People had dropped stuff in that. But it was the best place to run the dog. 
Mm-hmm. He's a big dog. I was thinking about fleas the whole time. Yes. So now I've taken my dog out of my yard and my area and all of that. So now I'm thinking about, you could tell people had run their dogs and not picked it up. Just all that kind of stuff. So that, and and also you can get sand spurs. If you're on vacation, yes, you might stop along the way at dog parts, but you might stop at a rest area and run your dog and end up with sand spurs in their fur. Or, so all those little they might seem minor, but to me, they're kind of a big deal because I do not want to bring fleas in to the equation. Yes. They're very hard to get rid of. So I was exactly. thinking about that. Yeah. So I, you're, we've kind of shifted into the idea of when you do take your pet with you, let's say you're going on a road trip. Um, and this is something that I experience a lot taking Jimmy when I do take him with me to horse shows or to clinics or whatever I'm doing. Um along the same lines is stopping at a, at a, um, a rest stop yeah. or a gas station, or, you know, it's really common now that they have these fenced in areas. They have these little yeah. dog parks set up. I know like the, there's a love station, um, here nearby that has one, like a little, you know, half acre lo- little area. Um, and what I think about is there's nobody checking records when the dog is let in there. Right. You you have no idea what dog was in there 30 minutes before, you know, 24 hours before. You don't know who's been in there. And back to these so, parvo outbreaks and canine yeah. flus and stuff that are going on. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually make a point when I do take my dog with me and I do have to stop along the way. Um, I try to find something totally off the beaten path. Or if I'm at a rest stop, I go way away from all of the heavy traffic. Yeah. Um, I go, you know, far away to the back. Um, and if there's marked pet areas and they're very clear, then yeah, you got to follow the rules, but I, I avoid them if I can yeah, I so agree. that I don't pick up some parasites. I don't pick up, you know, some kind of disease, um, and, and, or fleas, you know, the external parasites, cause it is, it, it's hard to get rid of. It's a pain in the butt to have to deal with. Um, and by just kind of avoiding those high traffic areas, you can kind of get around it. Yeah. Um, and it may sound like risk. It may sound like we're being a bit of alarmist about disease or parasites, but Google it, look it up. I mean, there've been so many outbreaks of these, they call it canine like flu and now this parvovirus and Mm -hmm. that. And so we're not making this stuff up. It's really happening. And I think it should be a big concern because, People who aren't aware of it are the ones who are potentially spreading it, right? Because right. they're not not thinking about it in that way. So best practices, we should, as Tommy and I, as animal people, we just think of this naturally. I don't let my horse out and eat grass anywhere that I stop either because I don't know if they've treated it or that kind of thing. So yeah, it has to be kind of chemicals are there. first and forefront on, on our minds. My father yes. always used to have the attitude, but again... My father's been gone, uh, you know, a dozen years. And so he was younger. It was a little different world when he was out with animals, but that animals won't generally won't go towards things that are harmful to them. If they're not complete, like in a pasture, bad uh, for horses, like bad weeds Mm -hmm. or that. So dogs too, supposedly they won't go after stuff that's bad for them if they're well kept. I don't espouse that theory. I just assume they're going to cause me headaches and go after all the things they shouldn't. So with Otis, trying to stop, exactly right, trying to stop along the way and run him, 
was challenging because he doesn't go well on a leash right now. He, I, I'm putting a cue on the poo. We're working on that. Um, and I wanted to stop at Cracker Barrel. I love to have breakfast. Yeah. It was too warm. I couldn't leave him in the car. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to bring him in. And I wasn't looking for patio places because I'm not big on that. But it really changed the whole dynamic of my trip. Yeah. So I want, you know, I think I just, we're trying to get people to consider this. And again, I live by the beach and you can't take them on the beach. And then you have the restaurants that have patios, but they're packed with people with dogs too. But everything you do has to include your dog. You know, what if you want to go to the, the, we have an aquarium here, or if you want to go to the zoo and don't do the fake service dog thing. Do not do that. Do not. Yeah. It's terrible. Do not get them an ESA jacket and tell, you know, take them in places where it says service dogs only. Just unacceptable. Yeah. We, I mean, working in entertainment as we both have, uh, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but a couple of times I can remember somebody brought in a dog saying it was a service dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the middle of a show with live horses and theatrical effects and, you know, strobe lighting and fog and, you know, the horses are acclimated to it. The dog starts freaking out over the horses running around and wants to chase the horses. Well, now that's put the entire cast in danger um, and now has disrupted the entire experience for For the audience, you know, the entire audience. So now you've ruined an experience because you faked your way into an environment you should have never been in in the first place. And by the way, your pet is totally stressed out. Yeah. And I, that was my point earlier is when you take your dog on vacation or you travel with your pet, is that a vacation for your dog? Yeah. Or have you put that dog in a high stress environment? Right. And then on the same level, like what you're talking about with uh, having to search out a, a patio to sit on so that you can have your dog with you and not mm-hmm. leave it in the car or you know, dog friendly spaces. Well, now you've put a certain level of stress on yourself and your family, your, the other people on vacation with you. Yeah. You've restricted your options completely. Yeah. And then for people like you or I, we're then sitting there scanning the environment. We're not worried about our dog. Exactly. We're about everybody else. Exactly. He doesn't have a well-trained dog. Um, that's going to let their dog come running up to our table or come running up to our dog and, try to meet and greet visit ends up being a fight yeah so yeah i think that's a big consideration when you're choosing how to travel if you should travel or if you should leave the dog home or at a boarding facility is is it really going to save you any amount of stress if you are stressed about boarding the dog but taking the dog with you maybe is not going to save you any stress and by the way it might not save you money either because the hotel had a pet fee yeah. And Airbnbs have a pet fee, exactly. a lot of Airbnbs. So you're you're paying, you know, adding an additional cost. But again, it this too goes back to when you're when you decide to get a dog, to really make sure you want a dog. We talked about all the costs and that again, another podcast that we've already done. But, you know, you you decide you want a dog. Think about have the vision to think about what you're going to do in the year five years, 10 years, and then getting the second dog and then the breed you get, right? Because Mm -hmm. there are, sadly, whether you agree with it or not, there are uh, breed, uh, private businesses can have breed specific things. 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, they're not statewide yet, but you they can do that. So, and it's intimidating to other people too. And then make sure your tre- your pet is really well trained because whether you leave it home or take it with you, it's going to make your life a lot easier. I can't seem to impart that on people. And I don't know if it's because they don't know how to train or want to spend the money to get to that place, or they just don't feel like Fluffy needs it, you know, that Fluffy's happy because she gets cookies and love all the time, even though she's spoiled rotten, right? It makes your life a lot harder. So the training is, again, one of the reasons you want a well-behaved animal so that whether you take it or not, the person at home with it is having a good experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was actually one of the stories I was going to tell today about to travel or not to travel or, or having a well-trained dog is I have some friends that have a standard poodle. Um, so he's probably similar size to Otis. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a little older. He's probably eight to 10, something like that. Um, and they're getting ready to take a, a very big trip, like a two to three week trip uh, overseas. Oh, wow. And the dog is fairly well trained, uh, well handled for them. So it's a couple and for the owners, the dog behaves. But the times that I've gone to visit them, been in their house or seen other people uh, interact with them, the dog really ignores other people. Oh, okay. Um, And then isn't really well socialized with other dogs. Right. So they kind of have one option. They have a good friend that has a dog of the same age that they've kind of swapped pet sitting back and forth with. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, So that works out for them, but they're limited because that's only one option. Yeah. And they were telling me the story of they had boarded the dog and it was a place that had cameras and they kept logging in, watching the dog. And they were so worried because the dog wasn't interacting with the other dogs. Um, Well, they only left the dog there for a day first of all. So yeah, the first day was a little stressful, new environment, new place. Um, And then the dog is not really well handled for other people. It's not a universal training method. Um, So, you know, yeah, he didn't have a great experience, but had they stuck with it, stayed maybe in that program, gone a couple of times, let the dog get used to the environment, let the dog be handled by other people, that would have opened up a world of opportunity for them to be able to board that dog and, and have more options for them. Um, So that's something to consider and kind of to our point of all of this is um, you need options to be able to plan ahead and, and not, so it's the, the adage uh, failure to plan is plan to fail. Yeah. And you know, we're, I've, I've mentioned vacations. You're talking about, you've talked about traveling for work, but there's also the emergencies where you're called away to help a parent or a friend and you can't bring your pet. So whatever yeah. that situation is, think about it in advance. Again, it's not summer yet. If you're listening to this podcast when it comes out, but make sure you're ready for that vacation and really consider all the people in your party, uh, whether or not it's the right, right decision for everybody and for the dog as well, because yeah, that those are, the big considerations. We'll put this all online for you to take a look at as well. And, you know, please share this podcast and also make sure you uh, check in with us. Let us know what you agree with, what you don't agree with. If you have something that works for you, that's been really cool on vacation or when you had to travel or such, 
let us know. That that would be great. We'd appreciate hearing that and share that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this I think this covered a lot of ground and will hopefully be helpful for people. Some considerations for folks. So yeah. All right. One f- final thought on yeah. if you are going to travel with your pet, and even within uh, the United States, you need to look up state to state regulations on what's required. Good thought. So, so to actually legally transport your dog across state lines, it depends state to state. Every state has different regulations, um, but some require a certificate of veterinary inspection. Some require a health certificate, which is a little different paperwork from a veterinarian. Um, some require them within 30 days, some within 10 days. Um, almost every state requires a rabies certificate. Yeah. Um, so make sure not only are you looking at the logistical things and, and are you keeping your pet comfortable and are you doing all of the best practices, but consider the legality. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great point because they really can check at any time. And just because you didn't know about it or they don't check everybody else doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you. Exactly. Yeah. So good. That's a great thought. Or I didn't know was not a defense. Yeah. The IRS (laughs) says that too. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're moving into our next segment, pet peeves. And I get the pet peeve this week and I'm happy because there's something I need to uh, complain about. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, I was, uh, out doing some stuff yesterday and stopped in to get a cup of coffee and there was a TV on and I'm looking, I see a dog, it catches my eye and it's, uh, our Fox 13 channel here in, uh, probably St. Petersburg, I guess. And it was pet week this, let's see. So they're in pet week and they have okay. a trainer come on. And this is the kind of stuff I do as well. So I was like, darn, I wish that would have been me. But so I've been listening to the trainer. She's got good tips. And um, they're just talking about how to get a dog if you have a dog training it and stuff. So, of course, at the end, she has to go on and say, make sure you get a dog from your shelter. Do not go to the breeders. Oh, and I wanted to throw my coffee at the TV. It just, <laughs> and, of course, the, the newsman comes back on and reinforces that. We have a choice. And she actually said, don't pay all that money to get a dog from a breeder. It's up to me or you or whomever what we want to pay, right? Exactly. We live in a, in a democracy and it's supply and demand. It's capitalistic society. If I feel like I want to pay a ridiculous amount of money for something or I want to pay very little, I have those choices. Yeah. It's again, and the whole, the shelters are full. Shelters I've been to are full of bully crosses and bully breeds. They're not for everybody. It is irresponsible to make that blanket statement. And I will stand by that. I will take that with me wherever I go. But if you want a dog from a breeder, seek out breeders, talk to them, use your best judgment, do your homework, and you'll get a lot more information. You'll probably get to see the parents. There'll be vet records on hips, the dysplasia, any, you know, Mm -hmm. things that are going to be important. That's what you're paying for. You're paying, you're paying for the puppy and you're paying for their years and years of knowledge. And the fact that they will take that puppy back, I don't, you'd have to negotiate on whether you get money back or that type of thing. But the point is they will stand by their puppies. And uh, so 
And sometimes it's the right decision. If you have children or a family or you're an older person, sometimes you just don't want to take a dog that you know nothing about and um, mm-hmm. and you want a certain breed or that. So please stop doing that, please. I just don't understand why people continue to do that. Do not vilify breeders. Their breeders yeah, are good it's, people. It's just ridiculous. It's again, it's that vocal minority thing. It's that coming from the extreme um, but we're buying you into know, it, you yeah. know, the thought that every dog breeder is a bad person or is just in it, you know, trying to make as much money as they can and cutting yeah. all the corners and doing things on the cheap and abusing the animals. That's not reality. No, there are a lot of really good dog breeders out there that do a really good job. There sure are. And, and it's okay to purchase one of their dogs. Stop guilting people into this, uh, you know, go to the shelter thing. It's truly yeah. not for everybody. And I say that as a veteran animal trainer, and I'll stand by that. And it's a dilemma what we do with the dogs that are there that really aren't adoptable and years ago wouldn't have been considered for adoption mm-hmm. because we don't have enough dogs in shelters, adoptable dogs, which is a whole other story. That's also another podcast that we've done. But there are opportunities to take a look at what's at the shelter and then a breeder and or maybe somebody who's got a dog who can't keep them, something like that. But don't get guilted yeah. into getting the wrong dog. It's a big, huge commitment. It's a long commitment and it's a safety is very important. So and mm-hmm. and cost, all of that. So make your decision. So that's my pet peeve. Yeah. And you get to have a decision. So Yeah, we have a choice. Yeah, use it. Go yeah. to the pet Good. store if you want to and you like what you see, you know. So if you have a concern, you know, tell somebody in uh, in the legislative level, that's fine. Or, you know, let the police know if you think there's abuse going on. But the yeah. reality is most of those are fine. They're taking the lowest common denominator and saying this is what they're all like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. So I get to take on the trainer tip this week. Yeah. Uh, so my trainer, I kind of hinted at this the other day when I was talking about the skunk situation with Jimmy Dean. Yeah. Um, but something called mark training, uh, training your animal to get on a mark and stay on a mark. Excellent. Um, it's something that is used in the entertainment world a lot. Um, commercials. Any dog or yeah, any, any animal that's ever been on a commercial, um, or in a TV show or in a movie. Uh, they are taught to get on a mark. Yeah. That's a, a big part of it. It's used in live entertainment. Uh, we we use it all the time for that kind of stuff. But it's something that can become very useful just in your day-to-day. Um, so it's something that I've taught Jimmy Dean. Um, he has a lot of different marks that he can go to mm-hmm. um, in my house. So I have uh, chairs that he gets on, and he knows the difference between different chairs. So I can point at uh, any of the three chairs that I have in my living room, um, or he knows to go to the couch, um, or the kennel is a mark. Sure. So the kennel can be in a different room or across the room and I can say kennel and he will run to it. Yep. Um, I can tell him to get on the bed and then I have a spot outside in my backyard that I have a little, it's the, uh, welcome mat on the back door. Yeah. Just a little, uh, you know, piece of carpet basically, um, that I can tell him to go to that and he will go and sit and stay and wait for the next instruction. Um, so it's, it's a fun thing to do for them because it gets them active and it gets them excited and, and it gets them, uh, you know, doing something for you, giving them a job, 
Okay. So I use it to wear him out mentally. Um, if I haven't been able to be home all day, I can, you know, send him to the different marks and play and, and make him run back and forth and, and get him worn out. Or I can use it for safety. Yeah. Um, you know, if I've got somebody that comes to the front door, I can say, go get on your chair, sit and stay. And he will wait until I tell him it's time to, to come off his mark and he yeah. can, he can come off. Um, and then I don't risk him bolting out the front door or getting super excited about the person walking into the door. Um, cause he's on his mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's great. We, uh, you know, I grew up, we did mark training, but we didn't call it that. We had an animal yeah. go to their seat or go to their place, you yeah. know, here or there. And, uh, so now as I've studied training programs and when I go to clients homes, when I'm working with just people trying to get their dogs to behave, not even do tricks, I, I always tell them to use a mark by the front door or somewhere where they could send the dog when somebody, you know, go to your a carpet square works fine. Sometimes it can be their bed. Not always, not always the bed is my first choice, but carpet squares, yeah. anything like that, the little cots, whatever, but to go, you know, go sit, go sit over there during dinner. It's a great option. So they're not yes. surfing the table and yes. in your way. So, yeah. And we can talk maybe on another one about how you actually train it. Uh, I don't yeah. do target. I don't do target training, but it, it's very similar to that. It's it's timing at the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. it And you used it with Jimmy Dean when he had the skunk. You were told him yeah. to go sit on his mark so that you could control the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can come in handy. Uh, for a lot of different things. Absolutely. It, it bleeds over into a lot of other behaviors also. I'm working with Otis. That's one of the first things I started doing. And I used some different marks when I was away last weekend. They had some dog props at the circus. So I utilized their props, put them on his seat, come over here, do this. Yeah. And it, it worked out well. I was pleased. I was testing my training. So, well, awesome. Yeah, excellent. I think this has been a great episode, uh, a lot of good information imparted, and uh, always appreciate your input, Tommy. Yeah, always wonderful to talk to you, Heidi. All right, thank you. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Doggone Good Information. As always, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast, and share it with your friends. We do our best to provide some great information that will help you with your dog training journey and also other folks. So join us next time for Doggone Good Information. 